Marketing Sweats fans. Today, I have somebody that I have been trying to get on the show for maybe three years now. It's actually Dr. Sheila Cork bailey the president of our local community college here in Peoria, Illinois, called Illinois Central College. And this one is personally meaningful to me because my mom, who you will hear me say is one of my greatest inspirations in life, actually introduced me to Dr. Cork Bailey years ago as I was trying to set up a leadership forum in our small town. And I remember nervously going into Dr. Bailey's office and sitting down with her and asking her to be a part of my forum. And at the time it didn't work out, but I always found her to be an incredibly engaging, warm leader. I knew of her history leading another community college up where I grew up in the Chicago suburbs called Harper College. That's actually where she and my mom met. And so since she's been back to the Central Illinois region, she has been making waves. I really do kind of view her as a little bit of a local celebrity, Uh, but I also admire the work that she's doing in diversity and inclusion and just really caring about underprivileged kids and and workforce development. So she's going to talk about all that on today's show. And now more than ever, she and I talk about that, like there is this movement in our community and it seems like so many things are coming together so that we have this sort of rising tide that lifts all boats. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. So she'll explain to you how the role of community colleges are changing and the important role that ICC plays in that trend and just how she's helping to move lives forward. So I hope you enjoy this. I really did. I, it actually was fun. We had a blast. We laughed. And just know that their marketing slogan right now is that ICC is really the smart choice. And so hopefully as you listen to this discussion, you will figure out why. I'll talk to you on the other side. I always like to start by understanding your story. So tell me a little bit about you personally. Where'd you grow up? Tell me a little bit about your background. Absolutely. So I grew up in Caseyville, Illinois, okay. which I always say our claim to fame is both a hen house and a Burger King right off our exit <laughs> on 55. I so. think I've seen that actually. <laughs> Small town. Yeah. I was yeah. the first one to go to college. Okay. And in, or went to Bradley. Okay. I did too. So we share that. And so in order to help me pay for Bradley because they couldn't contribute, my mom determined that if there were two kids going to school in the family that I would get more federal financial aid. So she started at a local community college taking courses. Ah. That's how they could help me pay for college. After Bradley, I was given a speech coach um, scholarship to do my master's work. I was recruited by Arthur Anderson, which became Anderson Consulting. And I started by writing their curriculum for management. And then they moved me into manufacturing. So that's when I started getting to more of the career side. When I had my daughter and she was two, I was going to be promoted to a position that would have put me a third of the year in South America, a third of the year in North America, and a third of the year in Europe. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. So I started looking at opportunities. And it was funny. I was in, at the time, I ran new manager school. So I was sitting in an auditorium. There were about 500 people from all over the world, just been promoted to manager. It's a two-week experience. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at the audience and I'm thinking they all came from the top 10% of the universities in their country, right? No matter what we do, they're going to be successful. Yes. And I just thought, you know, this this isn't the impact I want to make. So I quit. Okay. And looked around for a couple of months and thought, you know, community college is a place where 
maybe you didn't have the best of starts or you didn't have the best of resources sure. and you could still change people's lives. So sure. I applied for the job at Harper. It's the only job I applied for, got it. And then 26 years there and now six years here at ICC. Oh my gosh. Awesome, awesome story. Well, I can tell you as I was preparing for today and just reading about you, you just seem so passionate about workforce development right? I mean, that word is coming through and everything you read about you, co-chair of Regional Workforce Alliance. Talk about why, and you kind of just did, right? That right. that career transition, but what was it in your gut that you're like, you just felt you could help more than you were? You know, I don't know that it's readily in the awareness and the consciousness of, of people in this region, but only 40% of adults in this region have a post-secondary degree mm. and 60% of the jobs and ever increasing require a post-secondary degree. Yeah. So for the people who didn't have, and this is all about opportunity, it's not about intelligence or the ability to do it. Sure. Right. For, so for the people in this region who haven't had that opportunity, what a tragedy. Yeah. So when I started at ICC, the biggest need in the community really was these adults who find themselves stuck. You're working two or three part-time jobs. Right. You can't quit one to go back to school. Right. So you're just sort of stuck. Yeah. And so when I came to uh, Illinois Central, I was like, you know what? We're going to do something about that. We're going to yeah. help people move forward. So I am passionate about <laughs> I can it, tell. changing lives. Well, we are so lucky to have you in this community. So talk a little bit more about what you just said regarding the disparity and needing the higher education degree to get the job. Is that changing? Or is that still sort of the trend? Actually, we say 60-40, trying not to scare people. We're, we're going to be at 70% of oh all jobs requiring some within the next five years. Okay. So, and then the people who don't have that access to higher education are often people of poverty and mm. people get stuck in that cycle and they can't find their way out. If you're working two or three part-time jobs to pay rent and put dinner on the table, how can you possibly quit one yes. to go back to school? Right. So we have done almost 20% of our employees now are on grants. Yeah. We're doing some amazing work with bringing in other people's money yes. to the region to help people move yes. forward. I love that. Talk a little bit about ICC as an organization. Those of us who live here locally know and love it, love the brand um, and all you do for our community. But, you know, just talk about the size and scale of this as a JC, you know, in comparison to maybe what you did at Harper. Well, so Illinois Central College is just an amazing institution. We currently are serving over 8,000 students, and that would be credit, the workforce division, as well as, as continuing education. So that's everybody. And it's really interesting. We're an amazing place for students to start and transfer. Our students, when they transfer, outperform the students who started in those same institutions as freshmen. Yeah. I mean, so it's really a wonderful place to start. But when you talk about that in the community, then adults who say, well, it's going to be full of 18-year-olds. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I want to go there. So you message to the adults to say, hey, you don't have to be stuck. We have programs that pay for tuition and pay for stipends and child care and wraparound services. We'll get you where you need to go. Yes. And then the 18-year-olds say... Well, I don't know if I want to go to school or if the institution is going to be filled with all these 30-somethings. And, you know, so it's, a, it, <laughs> it's, it's a an interesting because we do such a great job across that entire spectrum. You, you know, so marketing becomes and that outreach and then how you how you message all that really becomes really becomes an issue. So you do a little less mass media and you do far more targeted, targeted but yeah. then people don't see it. So it's a really interesting 
and wonderful problem to have to try to figure out how to let people know really how well you serve can serve them over a myriad of life stages as opposed to just one. Yeah. Well, I think I shared with you years ago, Samantha had an opportunity to partner with ICC and we did a campaign called My ICC Story. And the idea at the time was you guys were targeting more non-traditional students, but yet it worked for traditional students too, because it is sort of the personal story. So Talk a little bit about how you've evolved the brand maybe since that time, or is that still kind of the, the, the tenor of what you're going for? Right now, our, our brand is we, ICC the smart choice Okay. with the idea being wherever you are in your life, this is a smart way sure. right, to take that next step. But it's funny how you say when those stories work for both, when we do our open houses now, all the time, so we'll have family units show up. Right. And sometimes have one of the parents be more excited about what they need to do and how they need to change. Right. So the students like, well, I'm not so sure. But mom picked up the information or the students very excited until the dad says, well, maybe I could come take some classes, too. And they they better not be my classes. (laughs) Right. I don't want you. Right. So it's really interesting how it speaks to families and individuals at so many different levels that you pull those high school events together. And like I said, and you serve almost as many parents through that as you do students. Yeah. Well, I just view you guys as such a hub for the community. You know, I got a flyer in the mail the other day that you were doing some financial 101 courses for families and it was so rich and so helpful. And then no matter where you are in your life, ICC has something to offer. Uh, Senator Dave Kaler said at that, He said, you know, if if I've learned anything during my history here, I've learned that if there's a problem in the community, ICC is the answer. And we're still, yeah, so we said, it was like, That warmed your heart, I'm sure. It really did. Yeah. It really did. You do kind of have to play a little bit of a political role navigating all of these big relationships. And gosh, my team sent me the list of committees you're on, and it was quite extensive. So how do you manage that part of your job in addition to managing the university? Well, you've got to be, I mean, We're a community college, right? So you've got to be a part of the community. And one of the things to get connected, to stay connected, and to hear what people are struggling with and and what works. We take diversity and inclusion very seriously here. And in our region, those things are tied. A lot of the problems related to inclusion and opportunity for people of poverty mm-hmm. in Peoria, mm-hmm. that tends to be African-Americans. But we also have a very high level of rural poverty yes. that is Caucasian. Yes. And they don't have a place to go for internet and there isn't bus service. And so it's a very isolated poverty. So we need to reach out to all of those folks. Businesses, you you can't name an industry right now that isn't dying from a worker, right? Yes, exactly. Everyone needs talent right <laughs> totally. now. So if we can continue to reach out to people who don't have the skills to be that talent and turn them into the people who have that talent, yes. not only have you changed the trajectory of their life, but the trajectory of their family, yes, right? The viability of our workforce, right. the competitiveness of our businesses and our basically the economic environment in our region. Yes. So we really believe, right, that that outreach and helping people find their passion and get credential to move forward mm-hmm. drives all of those positive things. Right, right. Say a little bit more about the work you do with the Workforce Equity Initiative, specifically your role and then how you try to drive that through the university. That was an amazing um, piece of work by Jahan Gordon Booth. So we have 
half our senators and then half our representatives are Democratic, Republicans. So we like to, we're serving the community. So we're getting along with everybody. But I have to, <laughs> I have to say, Jahan really made a little over $18 million available to community college. And it's specifically targeted, never had a program designed this way before in the state. Yeah. So all people of poverty, 60% African-American, which matches that profile. So the community colleges who had access to the money sure. served that, that community. We only train people in occupations that have waiting jobs. Okay. Only that pay 30% above a living wage nice. and in credentials that could be completed in less than a year. Wow. So in the, we've gone through two cohorts of this right now. So in the Peoria area, we currently have just under 600 people who have been trained. Okay. Completion rate 60%. All of them have jobs, but over 60%. In fact, we were closer to 70 with jobs that pay 30% above a living wage. So for about $5,500 a person, we are creating people who are independent engaged, right? Being able mm -hmm. to stand on their own two feet, right? sometimes for the first time ever, you know, full-time job with benefits. That's why we do this work. And what that's what workforce equity is about. That, I get it now. So what, what are the kinds of jobs that you're training in? We train in manufacturing, transportation, logistics. Okay. We train in health careers. Okay. That makes good sense for this region too. So is that through, okay, I'm circling all the way back, sure. Dr. Cook Bailey, to the beginning when you were outlining the types of programs you said. So you had credit, workforce development, continuing education. So where does this body of work fit? The Workforce Equity Initiative is in our workforce division. Got it. And so they usually start in a workforce readiness program, which focuses on essential skills. It focuses on social emotional learning. Okay. Right. If you come from a background of trauma, mm -hmm. we have to help you promise that trauma so you can focus to learn. And then the basic skills tied to an industry. So you don't have to be a math major to be in manufacturing, but are there mathematical principles that you need to learn to run a CNC machine? Absolutely. Sure. So we tie what's needed in basic skills to the industry mm. you're going into and not make people go further than they need yes. to. And, and it's applied, so it works much better. I love that. One of my passion points is workforce development, more from those soft skills standpoints, right? Because I had so many people do it for me that I want to pay that forward. So I love that you're um, baking that into the curriculum. It kind of leads to one of the questions I had for you today in how junior colleges are changing, both post-COVID, right? Because I know that there were some fast change there that right. was put on you right. guys, but then also just the role of a JC in the community where it mm -hmm. used to be a stepping stone. Is that still the case or is it more like, like you're talking about these workforce programs, you're right. building a pipeline of all different types of talent. So it's absolutely still the case. So we actually go by community colleges now. Okay. And what we like to talk to students about, you need to become as credentialed as the career you want in the end. The country's getting very split in terms of is it even worth investing in a college education sure, sure. and what do you, you know, everyone knows the stories of someone who has a four-year degree and is working in retail and right. they say so that didn't get them anything helping people figure out what they want to do and then looking at education from the standpoint of then what credential do i need to, do to achieve my dream yeah. is a much more productive and satisfying, fulfilling way to look at your future yes. than to say, well, I don't know what I want to do, so I'm just going to go to a four-year institution and do whatever. But what the research would show is, you know, 
you can't wait until after you graduate with a four-year degree to know what that means for your career and means for opportunities. And that's what happens. So even if you pick a major and you change it later, mm-hmm. having something decided before you enter college, yes. you're twice as likely to graduate. It's the thought process and that mental preparation of thinking through what that would mean and what that gets Got me it. and yes. do I want to be in that and environment. I'll never forget my first week here. I was talking to some Peoria Public School junior high middle school students. Okay. And I said, so who knows what they want to do when they grow up? And then this adorable young woman raises her hand and she says, I want to be a marine biologist. And I said, that is really cool. I said, which coast do you want to live on? And she said, no, I'm not going to leave my mom. She's in Peoria. And I said, okay. So again, and I said, you've got to think through what that means. So I if you're that. going to be a biologist in the ocean, you need to live by an ocean. So anyway, but we do that all the time. You hear, you know, lawyers graduate from law school and then they practice for a year. Well, that's not what I wanted to do. Sure. So uh, it's not just about workforce education, but how can we build in internships and opportunities to help students explore and sort of find yes. that sweet spot? Yes. And so making sure that we, if you can't see it, you can't be it. So how do we enrich that experience and let them understand the myriad of possibilities available to them before they start taking entire industries and say, that's not for me and that's not for me. I love that. Are there any really personal stories that you love from your past six years? I tell you what, with this this workforce equity initiative, I went to one of the uh, graduations. There was a gentleman there Each of the students was sort of saying he graduated from our truck driver program and they were all saying, so what this meant to him. And one of the things he said is, well, what this means to me is my kids will eat every night. And I just lost it. Yeah. And I just can't imagine being in that. This was going to be the first time he had a full-time job. I'm tearing up now thinking (laughs) about it with benefits. And can you imagine saying what this means is my kids eat every day? And I was just like, oh, God. But, but. That is the truth for people in this community, and it doesn't have to be that way. Yes, sometimes we get lost in our own privilege and we don't realize, you know, that we had the luxury sometimes of worrying about these bigger issues when, in fact, you're serving a really basic core need. So good for you. So tell me a little bit more about tech jobs. I went out on your website this morning and it got computer and technology, industrial, you know, there's just all these different spaces. And I know as a B2B company ourselves in the marketing mm-hmm. space, especially working for the likes of Caterpillar and, you know, doing technician recruitment campaigns and just seeing that those are highly skilled jobs yes. and they're not the dirty jobs, right? Right. So talk a little bit about ICC's role in that space. When the Great Recession hit, mm-hmm. So let's go back Mm -hmm. 10, 13 years. There were technology companies who on a regular basis hired people with certificates and two-year graduates to fill jobs. Okay. After that, so there were an awful lot of people laid off. IT, the IT industry was hit pretty strongly. Coming back out, most of those companies started only hiring four-year graduates. Mm -hmm. Why? Because there were enough on the market who didn't have jobs because people had all been laid off. Interesting. Right? So then people looked around and said, hey, I only have a certificate and they're hiring four-year. I better go back to school. Right. So then it just became an industry standard that people had to have four-year degrees. Well, we don't have enough four-year degree completers. Sure. So we had between pre-apprenticeships and apprenticeships last year for the first time over 70 different students who... They were working with the company while they were learning. 
gaining valuable experience on the worksite while they, whether it was Java and website or networking or computer science, this works out well for the companies. It works out well for them. It helps students of poverty. So Accenture has a pilot program where they're hiring our students as sophomores. They, they employ them while they go to school during that last year. They bring them on and give them two years. And if they, at that two years, if they've been successful, they basically put them on the same track. They put four-year degree completers in to move up in their organization. We as businesses need to start thinking differently about how that works. And again, that brings far more opportunities. It's far more equitable, brings far more opportunities to all of our youth right. when we can do things yeah. like that. So people think apprenticeships and we think the skilled right? Skilled labor, or we think manufacturing. And I actually, our fastest growing apprenticeship area is in IT. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me. Yeah. So we just wrote a $15 million grant. Good for you. In partnership with Bradley and Eureka. Okay. And what we're trying to do, it's a good, good jobs challenge grant. And we're trying to build an IT ecosystem in the greater Peoria region. So we include middle school students in terms of summer camps and programming, the same thing with high schools and internships at high schools. We have ICC handles those um, credentials and the two-year degrees. Bradley and Eureka are handling, there are an awful lot of folks with four-year degrees in the area in with majors that maybe don't have as much upward potential right. as IT does. So right. they were going to work with those folks who already have four-year degrees and retrain them into IT and just put a whole system together. So we're pumping people out of middle school into high school and out, as well as working with adults to re-credential. And then that would expand what we're doing in workforce equity to move people out of poverty Mm. into those roles. We're partnering with Denise Moore. We're partnering with community-based organizations for that outreach. Think Urban League and Goodwill. So it's a community comprehensive grant that if we get this, we really think we can produce another 1,000 certified IT workers in three years in Peoria. That is so cool. You hit on so many things just in that one answer that I want to dig into. Um, I guess one of the things that's coming through, not just in my conversation with you today, but in many of the conversations I'm having across the community, I see more collaboration that is working right now than I have in a very long time. What do you think is driving that? You know, I just had a cup of coffee with Chris from GPEDC earlier this week, and we both said it's almost like the perfect storm. Yeah. I think for whatever reason, and I can't put my finger on it, but just as a group of local leaders, we've all come to the realization, right? The rising tide raises all boats and yep. we can do far more together. And traditionally, when we all sort of stayed in our lane, mm-hmm. the level of outcomes for this community wasn't where we needed it to be. Right. And so I just couldn't be, well, you know, Dr. Karat's a wonderful partner. GPEDC is a wonderful partner. Joshua yes. Gunn, the, yes. the chamber, all of the chambers. We're working with Rick Ron and East Peoria and, right. and Leanne over in Morton. I mean, you start, that's the, what the Regional Workforce Alliance is, but you start bringing people together, right, and thinking differently. Yes. So with workforce equity is a great example. We could have hired, and in the past we would have, we could have hired navigators and counselors to work with those students, and we didn't. We went to the Urban League and we went to Goodwill and said, you're out in those communities all the time. You know what people need, right? Right. You are better prepared yes. to support them in their community than we are, because yes. I would go out and hire people don't sure, know them sure. and don't know the community, sure. right? So we're going to often we're going to pay you to provide those services as opposed to everyone's just thinking about it differently, yes. and it just it it just 
all starts to grow and build on each other. It's actually very exciting. Oh, I agree. Is there a size and scale of company that you like to bring to the table? You know, I think about us as a small organization in town, about 100 people. And yet, to your point, I think we have something unique to offer in the sense of our creativity and, you know, the passion for the arts and things like that. We've talked a lot about manufacturing and technical jobs today, but talk a little bit about building up just an awareness in our community that there are these kinds of jobs too. Absolutely so. And that size and scope, it's much easier for a community college to work with the larger organizations sure. sometimes because sometimes they're so complex that gets to be difficult too. But you really have to keep reminding yourselves what's in the best interest for the students. There are students who want to be in smaller organizations sure. and they and they want to be in art-related careers. In fact, we have an awful lot of those students. We have to talk about what that means and how that works and right, right if that's your passion, right, right maybe a pure art degree right, is, isn't the answer, sure. but is it graphic design or is it marketing or is it technology, right? Yeah. Is it, right, is it the podcast? Is it all of that which takes creativity and sure. right, relationships and that? So we really try program by program to make those marriages, okay. right? And it's okay if you have a company of, of five people or if you're, you know, a company of 300 people yes. because there are students who are interested in all of those environments. Cool. So hopefully no one thinks that <laughs> we we don't have enough, right, sure. that we could be part of this. Everybody yeah. can be a part of awesome. this. You said this is your sixth year at ICC? It is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I always think an organization's culture is very much informed by their leader. And so talk a little bit about when you came to ICC, what the culture was like and how you've seen that shift under your leadership and through your own passions. So first of all, ICC was an amazing organization long before I got there, right? I'm standing on the shoulders of giants as I entered ICC. And we've always done our outcomes, just we've always done an amazing job. I think maybe what I brought to the table is more of that student success and community connection. Okay. Again, not that we weren't connected and not that our students weren't successful, but if you're going to serve... So, for example, our least successful students, the students who had the least probability of completing a degree, okay. were students who started in developmental math and English, okay. right? And our African-American students primarily because they were primarily from poverty, and that, sure. brings, that brings a lot. So, we have always, you know, 10, 12 basis points above a national average in terms of our performance. Good for you. Go us. Yeah. Right? Then you start disaggregating that data, and you say, hey... Not everyone sharing in that success equally. Sure. So how could we do what we do differently? How could we meet more people where they are? Right. So regardless of whether you start in developmental or if you're African-American, you enjoy that same success. So I think part, and it, this isn't me, this is the, there's achieving the dream. There are movements in community colleges about how to look at things differently. Mm-hmm. So I think I sort of brought that agenda with me. And we have innovation teams. I'm telling you, we have gone from the majority of our students starting in developmental math to like this much of our students. So we do math courses in the high school that we that we co-developed that high school teachers as a bridge. Okay. We can use a GPA in high school to play students and find they're just successful as if they took those high pressure tests that some students just don't sure. do well on, but they can do the math. Right. Right. We have programs where maybe you're 
right below the barrier, you know, right below the cutoff. So we let you start credit ready anyway, but we have supplemental instructions. You spend an extra hour each week with students in the same boat, with tutors to help you keep up in class. Right. But then you didn't take a whole semester in developmental before you could move on. So we had, this team has developed amazing alternate pathways and support systems because when students don't have to spend that first semester or two in developmental, they're far more likely to to be successful. Well, if you think about it, if you just came out of high school and math wasn't your gig and what's the the first thing we're going to say? Well, because that isn't, we're going to make you take more of that and you have to start there. You know, how enticing is that? Thank you, but no, right. Right. (laughs) So um, really thinking through those issues. And when you look at that student success data, right, it becomes very um, apparent where you may need to focus. Well, what's been interesting in talking to you over the past hour is that you seem very data-driven and very creative. So are you an ideas person? Like, how do you show up every day? We have a tool here at Smanel for personality profiling, and we have, it's called Headline or the people who like command the room. And then there's illustrations who are like, you, you can't even chase them so much because they've got ideas all over the place. And then you've got like body copy who are very detailed and logo who kind of sit in the background. Mm-hmm. You seem like an illustration. You seem like a person who has lots of ideas. Is that true of you or no? I do have some. My, <laughs> my my mantra is there's always a way. Okay. Right. We may not have the resources. We may not have thought of it yet. It may not be apparent, but there's always a way. I love that. Right. But I am a data geek. Yeah. My, my kids used to say, you know, <laughs> everything's an Excel spreadsheet to you, sure. isn't it? Um, but then I did do some speed. Now, I was more on the stamp debate with that <laughs> end of it. But um, yeah, I, I do like to get involved in creative too much to the chagrin of my marketing department. Oh, Sometimes funny. I like to get involved in creative. Yeah. Say more about that because I didn't get to ask you much about your marketing. And obviously, that's what our listeners care about. So what do you love about that space? It's such an and such a developing um, market. So Achieving the Dream, which is one of the the national organizations that brought to the forefront student success in different ways, community colleges had made their students more successful than you share across that network of 250 colleges. So they've just come up with, and it's actually 12 different market segments that community colleges you know, need to reach out to and the messaging needs to be very different. So then you you sort of pull away from, it's funny, when we, we were talking about Facebook the other day and I said, well, you know, I'm in my 50s, right? <laughs> I'm on Facebook. Yes. High school students aren't on Facebook, right. right? So when you're on Facebook, you want to talk about those workforce and those adult reentry kind of programs, right? But when you want it, you better be on Instagram if you want to talk to, right, high school students and what they're doing and who do they like to listen to and TikTok, they like to listen to each other. Yes. So in our marketing department, there are now six student aides and they, through social media, reach back into their high schools so cool. to make it cool to pull things forward, right? Because they're not going to listen to us when we market. Yeah. And there's a whole different approach. You know, you you reach out to your student base to continue to ask them what they need and how to make things better. But how do you account for the people who aren't there? So if you're a single parent, right, and there is no money or time to go to school, we've got to have specific strategies to reach out to them to say, hey, we have a way to provide free, have you thought about that? We have free daycare and I could find a way to pay for that tuition and we could hook you up through an apprenticeship, right? That we could have meet your schedule. So you've got a job waiting at the end, but if they're not there to talk to, right? So how do you focus that? Because it's, you you can't mass media because that's not the message, right? The recent high school graduate needs. So it really is becoming 
I think more exciting. It's like a puzzle to try sure. to figure out, but really more complex, right? Right to reach these different targets, and then and then the messaging you use, and they all have different strategies and different vehicles. Ugh, well. It, you can tell you're very clear on your channels. And I think what you're speaking to is this idea that like, at least in our walls, brand and sort of mass awareness marketing, it still has a place, right? Yes. But this sort of touch point strategy within these defined personas is becoming more and more the conversation. Is that an exercise you guys are going through? Absolutely. And, you know, everything's about pushing to the phone, you know, so we can geofence high schools, yeah. right? And make sure that we're That's popping up. Cool. And so, but it's not seen. So then people take a look around and they go, well, where are you? It's like, we're everywhere, but not where you're looking, exactly. right? right? You probably do get that question. We all the time. Because well, why aren't you marketing? We're doing more marketing than we ever have, yeah. but you're not going to see, or if you're seeing it, you're seeing it on Facebook and you're only getting the, you're only marketing this kinds of programs. Well, that's because of you are who you are. Yeah, I'm right? not going to lie. I kind of walked into the room today thinking this, but right. I'm probably not your target right now, right. you know? So I, I love that. One more question on marketing before sure. we close out. In the engagements that we've had here at Samana, where we've worked with colleges and universities, the complexity of marketing with enrollment management seems yes. to be an overlap, but also the complexity of every college within a college mm -hmm. having its own brand and identity. Speak a little bit about that as a unique challenge of marketing in higher ed. It's interesting because we don't have that okay. in community college. So all of my divisions, we do keep a common brand and outreach for Got them. It. So the outreach is really more for my CTE, my career and technical programs. It's that that marketing and that outreach leveraging through an industry mm. versus on my transfer program, really leveraging through the dream of the future because that's where more of my just out of high school students go Got it. so they can get their two-year degree and transfer on. So it's, you know, it's half the price. It's no debt. And like I said, our faculty are amazing, very high quality. So you can transfer into the U of I. People don't have travel going to Bradley, U of I, wherever they want to go. Right. Right. And they just did that without having to. A lot of our students, I mean, they work as they go to school and, you know, they don't have the debt. So now you just cut your debt in half. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you're going forward. So our issue is more making sure that the just out of high school messaging gets to them, but that messaging doesn't work for that adult career changer or first time who's in their 30s, right? So making sure that we target that and try to keep their messages out of the other people's area because, <laughs> if, oh, if that's what they do, then I don't want to go if that's what they do. And really, sure. we're doing it all. Yeah. So you guys are doing a great job with segment marketing and mindset yeah. marketing. That's awesome. We'll get back to the rest of the interview in just a minute. But first, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Symantle. I happen to know a thing or two about them because, well, I'm one of the owners. We are an industrial consumer marketing firm with an obsessive focus on customer experience. We create killer campaigns, but we also help organizations create programs that align back to their business strategies. Most importantly, we have a lot of fun and love what we do. And this year marks 40-ish years of doing it. Unfortunately, there's not enough time to explain the ish on this promo. But if you know us, you'll know it makes perfect sense. And if you don't, please reach out. We'd love to talk. Or you can head to samantle.com slash blog to learn more about us with articles, tips and tricks, do-it-yourself tools, and much more to help you keep learning and growing right alongside us. Talk a little bit, though, about you as a leader. I've already asked you kind of your style, but what are a few like core beliefs or secrets of success that you can pass on to our listeners? 
Well, I was going to say that whole attitude of there's always a way. Yes. Right. So if you take, so our current strategic plan, we were looking at how to look at developmental education, how to make sure we have students who come for one semester, they don't continue. So how to do a first semester experience that helps students stick and retain and be successful. So that doesn't happen by someone in my role saying, here's what you're going to do. Right. So we put together an innovation model, a four-step innovation model. We put together cross-functional teams. We let people volunteer. And if you can say, here's the data, here's the problem, here's where we need to get to, go. Right. Right. Your employees will never disappoint you in terms of their creativity and their ability to to solve problems and move forward. So I really do think so. It does take some leadership in terms of setting that agenda and making sure we're being responsive to who we need to be responsible to. But if you can get that settled. We Mm -hmm. did that with that. We did a community-based strategic plan. So when we did our strategic planning, we actually had community members at the table with us helping that. So cool. We're here to serve you, right? So so how do we need to change? How do we need to be more responsive? But then you just, like you said, you put that in front of groups and then they're motivated, but they feel the, they feel the weight of it sometimes. Yes. Gee, that didn't work or right. you know, we need to try something different. Which so is good, right? It's not like Learn it's, from failure. <laughs> ex- and, that's yes. what, and that's what I told them. Don't look at it as failure. We now have, it wasn't working before. Yes. We know now one more way is not going to work. Sure. What did we learn from that? And let's yeah. try another way to see if that works, right? I love it. You just keep, you just keep chugging. So from um, a leadership philosophy, if you can help get people to buy into that strategic agenda and then support them to do what they do, they're never going to let you down. Well, I'm going to steal that four-step innovation model from you after this call because I think we need that here at Samantha. All right. My last question I ask everybody, what's something you're struggling right now or a question you have that you'd like to put out into the universe to maybe get some feedback on? I really struggle with what's going on in this country about higher ed and that lack of value. When a time in our, the history of this country, when the only thing that's ever moved people out of poverty was a post-secondary degree with labor market value. And we just seem to be so bifurcated about not wanting to help people or not wanting to fund helping people or not wanting to. And if you really take a step back by providing that support, like I said, you change their trajectory, their family, and it helps businesses, it helps the workforce, it grows the economy. So it's a win, win, win all the way around. So is it messaging? Is it status? Is it experience? What is it that's driving the American experience now to say, well, I don't know if higher education is worth it at a time when it's becoming almost a requirement. So I just, so I kept, how are we not looking at this right? How are we not understanding what that means and how that feels to people that we can't attack that better? So that's That's what I throw out there. And I'm sure smarter people than I can figure it out. (laughs) Well, just by sitting here with you today, I think there's a lot of misperceptions, right? I think that you have a lot of data at your fingertips to share with us about the reality. And I can't wait to share that question. I'm sure people will have lots of opinions. But thank you, thank you, thank you for coming in and talking with me today, sharing your story. It was so fun. It's been a delight. Thank you so much for the invitation. about you guys, but I loved learning about all the different initiatives that our local community college has in the works. And I know that many of our listeners may not be from Peoria, but there was a lot of just really good marketing insights about the higher education sort of industry that I took away from Sheila. So 
I also found it sort of mind-blowing that like 60% of the jobs require a post-secondary degree, but only 40% of adults, at least in our region, have one. And it was good to sort of understand the definition of how Dr. Quirk Bailey talked about post-secondary. So if you like what you heard today, check out more episodes of Marketing Sweats on our website at marketingsweats.com or find us wherever you listen to podcasts. And that's a wrap for today. Keep up the good work, friends, and we will chat again soon. Thank you, Dr. Quirk Bailey, for coming on the show. Thank you.